We're continuing in our uh, sermon series today on forgiveness, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, being forgiven today. And sometimes we think this is like, you know, Christianity 101, uh, understanding God's forgiveness, which in a sense it is, but it's also Christianity, you know, 10,001, because a lot of times we, we say we get it, but a lot of times we don't get it. I mean, um, you know, if I ask probably most Christians, hey, do you think God has forgiven you? I think most would say, oh, yeah, I'm forgiven by God. But by the way we actually act and carry out, you know, looking at ourselves or looking at others, it shows that we actually don't get this often deep down inside. And it's because, you know, I've been after 20 years and got a master's in theology, and at times I don't get this. And still, I still struggle with shame or temptation or thinking back in the past and, you know, like, oh, God, you know, forgive me for that, what I did, you know, 10 years ago, or, uh, and, and, and it's, it's hard to grasp. It's very hard to grasp. The head concept is easy, but getting it down into our heart is very difficult, and so uh, we're going to be talking about being forgiven today. Oh, I think I hit the wrong button. Click on that again, Jenny. Okay, I know it's wrong. I'm going to pause here. One second, I'll be back. Ginny, Ginny's filling in for us today. There we go. That was a, a computer error, a big black window with an X saying something's wrong, but I think it should work. All right. <clears throat> um, here are a couple things that can be signs uh, of you not being confident in God's forgiveness. Uh, some of that could be that we might struggle with shame and condemnation. And often that shame or condemnation can come from the sense of maybe not being forgiven by God. And other times it can come from like not being able to forgive ourselves, and we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, but if there's struggling with shame, and if you just, you breathe deep and you feel that there's shame or condemnation in your life, it might be a sign that you don't understand or haven't really absorbed the forgiveness of God. Or if you see yourself, picturing yourself, you know, coming into the very throne room of grace, you picture yourself, you know, walking in heaven's door and going to meet God, if there's any shame or condemnation in your spirit, when you look at God, then again, it might be a sign that you have not absorbed the full reality of forgiveness. Or maybe you feel you have to confess current and past sin over and over and over again. It's like you're still confessing that mistake 10 years ago today and you confess it again and again because somehow you don't think it sticks or you're, you're still, again, struggling with shame or condemnation. Uh, it may be that you have a negative fear of God. Again, when you sense approaching God that there is this negative fear where you're scared of Him or you feel that He doesn't love you fully or maybe, again, He doesn't fully forgive you. It might be a, a sense of constantly thinking about past mistakes because you think God keeps bringing it up or God is uh, continually holding that over your life. And sometimes we think about past mistakes again because we have been unable to forgive ourselves. And again, we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, a judgmental and critical spirit. Um, you find yourself being very judgmental towards others, very critical of others. That can be a big sign that you haven't fully understand God's forgiveness. You know, as Jesus said, you know, those who have been forgiven much, love much. And if you keep beating yourself up over stuff and you think you have to keep 
climbing the ladder to please God, and you got to do all these things to make God happy, then you're going to try to live up to the bar, and you're going to make sure everybody else around you lives up to the bar, and that's what religion does. When you think that you have to earn God's favor, then you make sure everybody else around you is going to earn their favor, and they better do it better than you, right? You become judgmental and critical. Uh, you're unable to maybe to see yourself as being worthy of God's love, or you don't see yourself deserving of God's love, and you end up with what is called worm theology, where you think you're just like a dirty old worm, and God would never love you because you screw up all the time, and you're a rotten person, and how could God ever love you? Uh, but we're his kids, and because we are his kids, we are deserving and worthy of his love in a sense. I mean, if you look at a mom with a new baby, I mean, would you say that that baby is deserving of his mother's love? Would you say that baby is worthy of his mother's love? Of course. Uh, and we are God's kids too. I mean, God loves us and there's a sense because we are his children, we are his family, that we are worthy of his love. But if we don't sense the complete, absolute forgiveness of God, we will con continually struggle with, you know, feeling unloved or unworthy or undeserving or you, you're just a worm and God doesn't really care about you. And the reality is, you're forgiven. Uh, the other thing is, is that if you don't sense the full forgiveness of God, you will get stuck. You will get stuck in your relationships in your marriage. You will get stuck in your relationships with people. You will sense a stuckness in your life. And you just don't grow to the full potential. And this is exactly what Peter talks about in Second Peter. He says, So devote yourselves lavishly, supplementing your faith with goodness. And to goodness, add understanding. And to understanding, add the strength of self-control. And to self-control, add patient endurance. And to patient endurance, add godliness. And to godliness, add mercy towards your brothers and sisters. And to mercy towards others, add an ending love. And this is all building. We should be growing towards becoming more and more loving because that's the one thing that Jesus asks of us. We're to be growing. But then he goes on and he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then he says this, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. I mean, we can forget or act in such a way in the presence of God and the presence of the others who are actually not fully forgiven and it hinders our growth because, again, we become more judgmental and critical. We don't have any love for ourselves, and, and, and it, just, it really stunts our growth in the mission of Jesus in terms of loving our neighbor as ourselves. So let me just remind you, you are forgiven. You are 100% forgiven by the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The God of this universe forgives you 100% completely. And this is all over Scripture. Now, before we even look at some specific Scriptures, we need to ask, like, what is sin? Because we're talking about the forgiveness of sin. And, uh, you know, traditionally, like, sin has been de defined by missing the mark. Like, you know, you, you miss the perfection of God, or you, 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 miss, you miss obeying all of God's laws, and if you miss obeying God's laws, then that is sin. But the problem with sort of that definition is, like, well, which laws? Because you ask, different kinds of Christians and different denominations and probably if you ask all of us we would all have different lists of what constitutes a sin and what means missing the mark and it can get really complicated because everybody has different definitions and lists of what it means to miss the mark and to me I, I just sum it up this way a sin is basically anything that is not aligned with love 
anything that's not aligned with loving others, not anything that's aligned with loving God or loving yourself, anything that's not in line with love because of these verses like Romans 13. Or it says, love fulfills the requirements of God's law. So if you take all of God's law, it's summed up in terms of love. So if sin is missing God's law and it gets complicated, just go back to what's basic. That is, it's missing or not aligning with love. Or Galatians 5, the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so when we're talking about forgiveness, we're talking about anything in our life that's not aligned with love. And if you're actually honest with yourself, very quickly we can come up with big lists and libraries of things where we haven't been loving towards others in our thoughts, in our actions, or times when we should be loving when we're not loving, and you know maybe helping the poor and the, the hurting in this world more, and we're too busy you know doing other things. I mean, I mean, there's endless lists of, of places where we're not aligned with love, and and but the reality is that we're forgiven, 100% forgiven by. God. And here's just some verses to remind us of that. I mean, Psalm 103 says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. So as far as the east is from the west, He has removed our sins from us. It's interesting, I find it interesting, that He doesn't say in this passage as far as the north is from the south. Because if He did move it as far as the north and the south, you can actually go to the south pole and there is actually a, a south pole. <laughs> And if God moved it as far as the north to the south, you could go to the south and you could find a big pile of your junk and a big pile of your sins sitting at the North Pole. And then you could go up to the North Pole, which is actually in the middle of water a lot of times now because it's melting. Uh, I don't know what happened to Santa's workshop, but I think it sank. But anyways, you could find it on the ice or sunk to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> you could find all your stuff if he moved your sins as far as the, the north is from the south. But that's not what he says. He says as far as the east is from the west. And because of the way our axis spins, I mean, you can travel east for a million years and still keep going east around and around and around. You're still going east or west because it's not there. It's gone. He has forgiven you. There is no more sin. It is erased. It is forgiven. It is not taken into account in God's mind anymore. You are forgiven. We can look at Isaiah. It says, though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. And the the imagery here is like a a white cloth that they would have had which is stained by blood. I mean, try with their technology trying to get blood out of a white cloth. It's impossible. And and God is saying, I do an impossible thing here. I take the stains in your life, those blotches which we think we can't get rid of, which we think are impossible to be removed from our life, but God does it. And he takes those stains and those mistakes and he makes them absolutely pure. That he makes this white. In fact, he gives us a magical shirt because whenever it gets stained again, it doesn't get stained. It can't even get stained anymore because we are absolutely forgiven by the God of this universe. And God is so serious about forgiveness that he actually chooses to forget our sins. I mean, I can't do that. I mean, when someone sins against me, I, I tell you, I remember. I try to forget. I like to forget. Sometimes I do if it's small, but most of the times I remember because, you know, we just remember people's mistakes because, uh, you know, if I was all-powerful, I'd like to forget a lot of things in life, but I can't. But God is all-powerful, and he chooses to actually forget our sin. And he actually says this multiple times in the Bible, so it's not just some sort of mistake that someone put in there. It, it's found multiple times, like in Hebrews 8. I will remember their sins no more or Hebrews 10 I will never again remember their sins or Isaiah 43 I alone 
will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. And this is really interesting because a lot of Christianity actually ignores these verses. Because a lot of Christianity says, well, you know, you know, God forgives you, but on judgment day, he's going to bring it all up again. And all that stuff that you've done wrong, he's going to come and he's going to make sure that you pay for it and you're going to be judged because you've got to stand before God one day. Well, I think it says he'll never again remember our sins. I think he says, in Isaiah, again, he will never think of them again. I mean, he forgets them. They're not coming up on Judgment Day because you are forgiven. It's not forgiveness if I forgive you and say, well, I'm going to bring it up 10 years later and I'm going to make you pay. That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness at all. That's like I'm just holding off until I can produce justice and I can condemn you and I can make you pay for it. I mean, no, God actually forgives us. When you forgive somebody, you let it go, and God says, I'm not going to remember it and I'm not going to bring it up again ever. In fact, the very definition of love in Hebrews in 1 Corinthians 13, which is agape love in the Greek, which means God's love says this, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. This is God's love. He doesn't keep a record of wrong because he is forgiven and he chooses in his sovereignty to forget and it's not coming up again, he says. Um, it's forgiven. Again, Hebrews 9 says, so also Christ was offered, and again, this is all over the scripture, <laughs> so uh, also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. It says he will come again, and notice what it says, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting him. Uh, you know, certain Christians teach that God... Uh, Jesus is coming again to deal with our sin. <laughs> again, he, he's, he's forgiven us now, but when we get to heaven on Judgment Day, we're, he's going to bring it all up again, and that's when he's going to deal with our sin, and that's when we're going to be in big trouble because we've got to stand before God. It says right here that he's not coming to deal with our sin. Why? Because he's forgiven. He's chosen to forget. He says, I'm never bringing it up again. He's coming to br again to bring salvation, which means the, the final wrapping up of this world to bring us into the, the perfection of the new heavens and the new earth. I mean... Uh, he's not coming to deal with our sin. I mean, God is not sin-focused like we are. I mean, the church is sin-focused. We can be very sin-focused, and we sure like to be sin-focused when we look at other people around us. But God is not sin-focused. He's relationship-focused. He's not sin-focused. He's relationship-focused. I mean, we get there, but because God has forgiven, and he's forgotten. He's not bringing it up again. That's not his focus when he looks at us. But in very religious settings, I tell you, that is the focus. It's always about your sin and God's anger with you and he's going to get you on judgment day. And, and, and they forget he's not coming again to deal with our sins. He's coming to bring salvation. Again, again, this is found in so many places like Colossians 2. It says he canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the, the spiritual rulers and authorities he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And it's a us again, because sometimes, again, we hear all these voices. We might hear condemnation from our own self. A lot of times we hear it from the, the spiritual authorities, the, the evil spirits in this world. Again, but it, it, it's forgiven. They have nothing to grab onto unless we give it to them. But then it says this, So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days, or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. I mean, he says, you're forgiven, so don't let anybody condemn you for what you do or don't do in religious settings. Because, I mean, that's not the focus anymore. The focus is your forgiveness, and you're actually set free. 
the, the forgiveness we receive is to really set us free. It's not to bind us up into more rules and more laws, and that's why he says this at the end. But the idea here is he canceled the record of the charges. And I don't know about you, but if I think about the record of charges, if I were to come up with a long list, I mean, I'd probably have a library full of things where I wasn't aligned with love. I come up with a, li- a library full of things where I wasn't alive in, in, in lined in love with you guys and, and with my wife or my kids or all the things I should be doing and helping people and hurting people in this world where I've been too lazy or focused on other things. I mean, I, it wouldn't take long for a whole library of things to come up with. And I could easily feel full of shame and guilt and, and again, you still struggle with this at times, but it, it, he says it's canceled. Jesus canceled all, it all. On the cross, he he takes our place. He writes his name on all of our mistakes. He absorbs it all. He, and he forgives us. And he says, I will never remember it again. I am never going to bring it up again. I'm not coming again to deal with your sin. I'm coming again to bring salvation. I'm not sin-focused. I'm relationship-focused. I mean, this changes our relationship with God dramatically when we begin to understand his amazing forgiveness. And of course, he's not just forgiven your past sins, but he's forgiven your sin past. And all the sin you're going to do tomorrow and even today, it's already forgiven. It's already, it's already taken care of. The reason being, I mean, the Bible tells us that he died once to break the power of sin. Or, First Corinthians, or Peter 3, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. And so if Christ died 2,000 years ago and he deals with sin then, then your sin tomorrow is already dealt with. It's not like, you know, when we all mess up today and we're not aligned with love and then, you know, Jesus is like, oh man, now I've got to come down and crucify myself again to deal with all these sins. It's like, no, I've already done it once for all. It's already done. It's already forgiven. It's already forgotten. That's not an issue for God. You might ask, well, doesn't the Bible say we're to confess our sin? Yeah, it does. We're going to talk about that next week or the week after, something like that. But there are lots of valid questions throughout this, but it's already forgiven. So again, this idea that when you make a mistake that God is so angry with you and he's going to bring it up in judgment day, it's like it's already forgiven. It's already dealt with. It's already erased. It's already out of God's mind. Because every time it talks about being forgiven in the Bible, it's, it's, it's past tense. I mean, he forgave our sin. That means it's, it's already forgiven. Uh, he forgave all of our sin, not just some of your sin, not just the little sins, not just the minor sins but he's forgiven all of our sin, or the Lord forgave you. It doesn't say he's, he forgave you, but he's going to forgive stuff in the future, or he might forgive it, or he's going to bring it up again. It's like, no, he's forgiven you. Past tense, done, it's dealt with, it is forgiven, taken care 2,000 years ago. In fact, we know what Jesus said on the cross. He says, it is finished. <laughs> Even before you were born, Every single one of your mistakes, every single time you're not aligned with love, it was already dealt with. It's already forgiven. It's already finished. It's already complete. It's already wrapped up in Christ. And, and, and so we can focus on relationship and God can focus on relationship with, with, with us. We see this theme in 1 John. There's a beautiful passage. There's so much in this. It says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Uh, So we will not be afraid 
on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence. You notice that? Why could you be confident in the day of judgment? Because a lot of Christians are freaked out about the day of judgment because God's going to break up all my sins again. Well, it's because he says he's not bringing it up again. He says it's forgiven. Again, it's not forgiveness if he's going to bring it up again. Uh, we can have confidence in the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus in this world. And just as Jesus is trying to love people, we try to love people in this world like him. And then he says this, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. <laughs> and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. And to experience his perfect love is to experience his perfect forgiveness. And when you experience his perfect forgiveness, you're not afraid of judgment day. You're not afraid of him bringing up your sins again because you are just saturated in the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Your focus is on relationship. Your focus is on living like Jesus in this world, which is focus on loving others. Your, your focus goes from sin to relationship and love. And, and, and folks who focus on relationship and love live far more into Jesus than people who focus on sin all the time. Because the moment you get focused on sin, again, you end up thinking you're better than others, you end up judging others, you end up being critical of others, you end up in religion, and it actually pulls you away from where God wants you to be. Perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. As again, he says, we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face them with confidence. Even now, Hebrews says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us in our time of when we need it most. And we talk about this one a lot because this is just a good litmus test of how you're doing when it comes to forgiveness. I mean, the idea here is, is you picture yourself right now being invited into the throne room of God and, and there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit providing, providing over this room and, and you walk in and just notice what's going on in your spirit. If there's any shame, any condemnation, and you feel like, oh, I really screwed up this week, or oh, I'm totally unworthy because you know, I'm not deserving of his love. It shows that you're, you're missing the idea of forgiveness in your heart. There's still some saturating work of his love and his forgiveness to do in there because we're not supposed to be afraid of God because we know he loves us. I know the Bible says, you know, you know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, which the idea is we, we, we respect him, obviously, but the more you get into wisdom, the more you meet Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, you realize you don't have to be negatively afraid of God. There we'll receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so this character who is walking into this room, which is us, is in need of mercy and grace, which means we've screwed up, or things are not going well, or things are falling apart. And, uh, and, and, and we need grace and we need mercy. And, and, and God says, just come in boldly. Just come in confidently. The, the sin-focused religious person would say, no, 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 no. You, you, better, you better stand back for, and you better get on your knees and you better worship a whole bunch and read your Bible before you go into the throne room of God. When you go on, you better go down on your face because you're unworthy and, and he's holding the sin against you. And you better watch out on Judgment Day because he's going to get you. It's, it just doesn't line up with so many things. I mean, God's forgiveness is radical. And for some of you, this might have even made you uncomfortable because you're like, that just sounds too radical. I mean, surely there's got to be more punishment or discipline or, you know, some rules, you know, or whatever. And well, there is some of that stuff, but, but he's forgiven you. It's not coming up again. I mean, it's radical, radical, radical forgiveness. And it's so hard for us to grasp this because our world doesn't work this way. 
because I can't forget your sin. So sometimes when you really hurt me, I kind of hold on to it, and I shouldn't, but it's still kind of there because I remember, and vice versa, when I hurt you, you know, you may want to forget it, but you can't because I hurt you, and we hold on to that, and, and there's always these little grudges, and, 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 and we don't have this radical grace, but God does because he does forgive, and he is able to forget. And this is why the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, it says, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is none. Not now, not on Judgment Day. There is none because he's not bringing it up again. He's forgiven you. Uh, he's never going to bring it up again. There, there is no condemnation when you walk into the throne room of grace, when you sense the presence of God. There is no condemnation coming towards you. He's not sin-focused. He's relationship-focused. And what's interesting, we know that this is incredibly difficult for us to understand and to grasp because we do know in our manuscript evidence of the Bible that folks have played with this at times. Because like the King James Version, their verse actually says, it's very different than, than all other translations. King James Version, New King James will say this. There is, the, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So the King James puts this qualifier. <laughs> Because, you know, no condemnation, that's too much grace, that's, that's too much forgiveness. We have to have a qualifier, because after all, I've, you know, I follow the rules. We've got to make sure everybody else is following the rules. So um, textual critics have said that, you know, scribes added this line afterwards, because it's too much grace, so we've got to make sure it's, it's just talking about those who are really working for God. You know, those who are really walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. And this is why none of our modern translations have this verse in there. Because they study the textual evidence, they see this has appeared later, and it most likely it was this very reason that people, we really struggle with this, because it's like, that's just too good, that can't be so, because look at how hard I'm working for Jesus, and those people aren't, and what, God forgives them? Like, that can't be so, let's add this line, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, because that's me. I mean, we always want to be superior than others, <laughs> just how we are. We struggle with this. I struggle with this idea that we're going to show up in the presence of God and he's just like, I just want to give you a hug and I just want to love you. And yet we kind of think, well, he's going to bring, certainly he's going to bring up something. <laughs> I mean, Romans 10. I mean, we'll just finish with this. And we bring this one up a lot because this is just a powerful reminder of what God says. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. If you're feeling shame, it's not from God. And notice it says, never be put to shame. That means judgment day as well in the future. He's not going to put you to shame there either because he's not bringing it up again. He's forgiven you. He's forgotten. If you're not under shame and condemnation from God. And so when you're feeling a sense of shame and condemnation, it's good to explore where that's coming from. Because if you sense that's coming from your picture of God, then your picture of God is off, and you can try to correct that. Sometimes the feeling of shame and condemnation comes because we've really screwed up and we can't even forgive ourselves. We're going to talk about that. Sometimes it's coming from other people, but just do a check. It's not coming from God. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. And so if you feel today that you're overwhelmed by mistakes, by struggles, by issues, by you're struggling to love somebody, you know you should be doing better, but you're not, or you're struggling with someone loving you. The good news is you're forgiven. In Jesus, 
you're 100% forgiven. Past, present, future, because God wants you to focus on Him. He doesn't want you to be afraid of Him so that you're standing back, because the best thing for us is to run into His arms and to let His love absorb into our spirit, because it's His love that changes us. I mean, Ephesians 3 says that when we experience God's uh, the, the love of Christ, that that is when we are moved forward into the deeper realities of life. And so God is not sin-focused. He's relationship-focused. And so he's calling you to live into that forgiveness and to experience it and to enjoy his presence. So, Father, we thank you for your complete forgiveness. And God, if there's just any remnants of unforgiveness in our hearts, God, if there's any remnants of you not forgiving our sin for some reason, God, we just let that go. And we replace that with your love. We replace that with your grace. We replace that with your goodness. God, we want to live shame-free in your presence. And God, we thank you that you're focused on loving us and you're focused on relationship. God, we want to do the same. And so we climb into your lap and we just absorb your presence and we are renewed again. In Jesus' name.